Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine, the greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. However, today in this bonus episode, we are talking about season two, episode four of Star Trek Lower Decks, specifically the episode Mugato Gumato. Yeah, it was uh, it was okay. We're back to that that cartoony type stuff. That <laughs> oh man, so you you're telling me you didn't like this episode? It, it was okay. It was okay. It oh, had its moments. God. It had its moments. Yeah, just impossible to please this man with animation. <laughs> so uh, in the A plot of Mugato Gumato, we have Shax, Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford going on an animal control op away team mission where they are going after the venomous horned ape from the original series episode Private Little War, the Mugato, which has been cited on Frylon 4. And then in the B-plot, we've got uh, Dr. Tiana tasking Tindy with tracking down all the recalcitrant patients for their annual exams. And in uh, the C-plot, we have Captain Freeman getting shaken down by a starship scam. I'm glad you do these plot synopses because, like, I completely forgot about the C-plot. In <laughs> fairness, I completely forgot about the C-plot, too. And I like this episode so much, I, I watched it a second time. And then after watching it the second time, I was like, oh, yeah, there is a whole C-plot with Captain Freeman. Yeah, it's, it's kind of forgettable, but it, it's funny. I mean, it's it's there. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's solid. It's not, like, amazing, but it's solid. So did you have a favorite character of the episode? Probably Shaxx in this one. He had some good lines. He first go, walks in, and they're doing the jujitsu stuff, and Mariner is just beating the ever-loving hell out of Boimler and Rutherford. Rutherford. Put the kid gloves on. Yeah. And Shax is like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a few minutes early. And he just starts, like, sitting down reading. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's then, good. And then also good. the part where he, like, you know, he eats shit. Several times, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Shax eats shit a bunch in this episode. Like, literally eats shit to uh, try to find the Mugatu. I mean, if we were going to be more charitable, we would just say he tastes shit several times. No, he, he eats shit several times <laughs> in this episode of this cartoon. <laughs> this was a we'll get to this later but this is a very adult episode of star trek lower decks yeah. i would say my favorite character of this episode was the uh ferengi villain kink who was running around in a mugato pelt it was really funny it ruled i really liked it well that kind of leads into my favorite joke of the show or gag really is that the ferengi are more in line with what we saw in that the next generation episode the last outpost where they're like wild and they're not what you see on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, this is like jumping down to like my favorite deep cut reference, but the return of the Ferengi energy whips was my favorite part of our favorite old Star Trek reference. That was that was really funny. And yeah, it was it was nice to see like your your old style Ferengi as opposed to your more domesticated uh, DS9 Ferengi. Yeah, I also like, and this is kind of the title of the episode, but the multiple pronunciations of the word Mugato. Uh, in the original run, DeForest Kelly couldn't pronounce Gumato, so they had to do it. This led to a script change to the current name, which is Mugato, but all the other cast continued to just continue to butcher it and say whatever that came to mind, I guess. I don't know, but if you notice in this episode, they say like four or five different versions of Mugato. I, di I did notice that I 
didn't know that it was a reference to the variable pronunciation in that original episode, Private Little War, which I actually even rewatched, although it was a kind of loose rewatch because like I had a friend coming over and I was cooking. I wasn't paying that much attention and I missed the butchering of the pronunciations of Mugato in uh, that original series episode. Yeah, but like everybody butchers it in this episode and then in the original series it was the same way, but it was all DeForest Kelly's fault. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say my favorite uh, Joker gag might have been, like, using the Mugato to do Predator and Jurassic Park references. I thought that was pretty great. Yeah, and it really harkened back to some of those uh, original series episodes that kind of fit in that horror-type thing, that, 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 yeah. that, that element of it. Yeah, because yeah, that was a big part of, like, the original series Star Trek was they were kind of marketed they marketed it sometimes as a space western, but they sometimes marketed it as, like, you know, a follow-up to the Twilight Zone. You can even see that, like the, I think the, f- the first three episodes that air of the original series, if I'm remembering right, are the Man Trap, Charlie X, and Where No Man Has Gone Before, and all three of them are horror episodes in a way, more or less. So you have like a assault vampire and an overpowered telep or overpowered teen, and then an overpowered uh, friend of Kirk. I think it really boiled down to whatever costumes were available that week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> One, one other joke I enjoyed uh, was uh, I really want to do a line of uh, ground-up Mugato horn now and see if I get any uh, special uh, powers from uh, snorting it. That's that's disturbing. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I didn't think of it. Mariner, Mariner said it, not me. Uh, my favorite line from this episode was uh, Shax goes, Mariner, what's happening? And Mariner goes, those two beautiful nerdy men are negotiating us to safety using the power of math. <laughs> my favorite was also a mariner line in, in the same scene more or less where it's just like she's telling uh, kink in the other ferengi you know that stuff you buy with latinum you could just replicate it you guys are dumb yeah in, in a universe where almost anything people desire can be replicated why do the ferengi insist on like destroying all these natural resources to sell them for profit like why Instead of just capturing and killing the actual Mugatus, they could just like replicate Mugatu pellets and horns. It really reminds me of like the current market for NFTs. It's just like a, yeah. it's a, uh, a status type thing. There's no yeah. real reason for it. Like, yeah, partially it's like a status drive thing. If you uh, if you read uh, Plato, this the Republic, he's actually really good on that. But it's partly it's like a status drive thing. I do think though it is a good example that like. Just because you have post-scarcity doesn't mean you have a just distribution. Some people like say, oh, they'd be like, oh, no, Star Trek isn't about like a socialist uh, future because like, oh, it's just like with the replicators, you know, you can make anything and there and thereby uh, you can't, you know, you don't you don't have like normal capitalism as we know it. You just have some sort of like post-scarcity capitalism. But like that's obviously ridiculous. Like if you look at our current world, like we basically could live in a post-scarcity world when it came to things like food and housing. There's no shortage of those things. There's maybe like, in terms of housing, there's maybe like demand for like nice locations, but there's like no intrinsic shortage of housing or food, yet we still live in a, you know, a very like price-driven, very expensive society. Yeah, right, where people, where people do not have homes and do not have food. Like it's Yeah, just- yeah. 
and there's a ton of irrationalities in the system. And granted, you could argue that, oh, like a planned economy would also have irrationalities just on other parts. But it, yeah, it just shows that like, just because you, you know, you eliminate scarcity doesn't mean that you eliminate like somebody's like rental claim on something that they can then like charge you rent to use. Like, I mean, if we actually invented replicators, Elon Musk would just like charge us all a license fee to use it, you know? It's getting deep for this cartoon getting pretty deep well that was that was actually something that made me a little cranky about it too like I, I really liked the joke of how of how rutherford and boimler like talk the ferengi out like it was a good joke and it was a good like dramatic finish but like the ideology of it was a little kind of silly because it's like oh actually like if you uh if you just you know tell capitalists that it's actually in their interest to protect the environment they will and they won't over exploit the mugato and they won't deforest you know the the lovely planet and it's just like yeah but that doesn't really make sense in a world where we're hurtling towards uh apocalypse uh because of climate change right <laughs> like it's just there there is no like guarantee that capitalists will realize oh like a more like stable, sustainable form of exploitation and resource usage will actually get me the same or more money. And so your favorite line in this actually fits in with my favorite old Trek reference, which was they Abno J I can't say it. Abno, Abno Jayutsu from the beginning yeah. of the episode. Yeah. I really love that uh, line. Uh, Put the kid gloves on. <laughs> right. It was also pretty good. Yeah. I knew the exact reference they were making when they showed the the two there because even though I, I don't think I've watched the actual episode of the Next Generation, I just oh, remember that. Oh, it's it's scene. really bad. It's it's a very striking uh, it's a very striking scene, but it's a really bad episode. Yeah, I, I just remember the specific scene. I didn't even realize it was Riker's father that was fighting. I just remember that. that I was about to ask that. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that. Like little little trivia question. Uh, do you remember uh, which member of the Enterprise crew Riker's father has slept with? Uh, wasn't Yar, was it? Wasn't Yar. She was already dead by that point. Oh, uh, I don't know who. Dr. Pulaski. Oh, that's interesting. Yep, yep. I, I like that it, 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 if I recall, I haven't, I haven't rewatched the episode in years, but if I recall, it gives, uh, Riker a little bit of issues around Dr. Pulaski, which is funny. <laughs> wow. I, that's, that's Trek trivia. I did not know. So you were that was your favorite old Trek reference was the uh, the Abno Jujitsu. Yeah, what was yours? Uh, I really like the cameo of the Danubulans. I don't know if you know them, but that's like the Doctor from Enterprise Flocks. Um, that's yeah. his species. Yeah, that that was pretty funny to to see them fleeing the Mugatos, but ultimately it was uh, the Ferengi energy whips. I was so happy to see the Ferengi energy whips. <laughs> yeah, that was it was weird to see the Ferengi like that again. Like I just. I feel like after that episode in The Next Generation, they went away from that, though they tried to distance themselves. Yeah, although there is one episode of Enterprise that's actually pretty good, where the Ferengi are sort of in more in the last outpost mode. It's not as extreme as this, but it's like it's probably closer to this than DS9. And I that that's one of the few good Enterprise episodes. I think it's from maybe season two. And it actually is uh, Ethan Phillips, who plays Neelix, sort of gets to redeem himself because he plays a very creepy Ferengi commander. It's actually a really good role. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs plays a Ferengi on that one, too, I think. It's actually worth watching. Okay, so I might have to actually go back and watch an Enterprise episode. Okay. I could give you a list of, like, maybe ten Enterprise episodes that are <laughs> worth watching. There's not that many. Are the Borg ones on that? Or the, would the Borg ones be on that list? I, I would... 
probably there's only one I would probably say go ahead and watch it, but I don't actually think it's good. Like it's not bad, but it's not good. If that makes sense. Yeah, I legit want. I watched that episode not too long ago just because I want to see what it was. And uh, uh, what do you think of it? It was okay. It was exactly how you explained it. It's. I just didn't know if that was up on par with your ten. Oh no! It's, it it definitely wouldn't. It definitely wouldn't be among my favorites. I don't think. Although, I, I guess I should actually make the list and see what I would put on it. Have you heard the theory that like Enterprise is in like a pocket universe post First Contact? <laughs> no, I haven't heard that. Yeah, there, there's like a theory that it that's not the way the original like kind of foundation of Starfleet was, but then after the the uh, interference from Picard and the Enterprise E in First Contact, that's the sort of diverging timeline that gives you Enterprise. That sounds like a really weird excuse from people that just don't like the like don't like the show. It's like here you're gonna get in your shitty pocket universe and stay there. <laughs> like, yeah. Although given like Enterprise is like really big on referencing First Contact in its pilot in that Borg episode, yeah. and so in a way it makes some sense. And then there are also those who like like you say who are just don't like the new series who would say, oh yeah, that's Enterprise and Discovery are that pocket universe. Yeah, I'll probably shove that animated series up in there too, but you probably would disagree. Oh, man, I can't believe you would diss the original animated series like that. Uh, speaking of which... Yeah, this, yeah I would say this leads me into my next question for you. Aren't you glad that another cat species from the animated series has made an appearance, Bob? The Kazinti? Aren't you excited yes, about I'm, them? I'm actually very glad. I'm very glad. Um, are, do you know anything about the Kazinti? No, Bob, I don't know, I don't know jack shit about the Kazinti. <laughs> so, the red cats. They're red cats, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're cool. They um, it's interesting because they're the only Star Trek species I'm aware of that originates in a different form of uh, media. Have you ever heard of the conservative science fiction writer Larry Niven? No. Big big conservative SF writer, especially in the '80s. He wrote Ring World, and he has a series called The Man Kizinti Wars or The Man Kizin Wars, I think. And it's like short stories that like different or it's anthologies that different writers contribute short stories of like the, you know, the war between humans and uh, Kazinti. And uh, he wrote an episode of the uh, animated series and he specifically included the Kazinti, his creation in that episode. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I think it's a really kind of cool bit of Trek lore. There there've been intentions to follow up with the Kazinti. I think on DS9 we'll eventually start hearing about a species called the Zenkithi that are were originally envisioned as being the Kazinti, but then they decided to go in a different direction. And I think the the novels imagine the Zenkithi as a whole you know, they're not cats, they're they're some other sort of species. And then I think if Enterprise had gotten a season five, they might have gone into the Kazinti. Although, uh, thankfully, uh, Enterprise did not get a season five. So, so let me get this straight. This author who wrote some stories about cat people fighting humans also wrote an episode of the animated series and decided he wanted his character or his creatures to be in that episode. So he just kind of shoehorned them in. Yeah. And then now here we are watching Lower Decks in 2021. And there they are again. Aren't shared universes magical, Matt? It's amazing. It is just amazing. I heard that originally DS9 was going to go with the Kazinti, but decided the Cardassians would be better. That's what That was my theory. Oh, I, I'd heard it was the Zenkithi, but maybe... <laughs> You're right. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm just messing uh, with you. God, I, I don't know. 
And there's also, I will say, there is a, also a theory that uh, the Cations and the Kizinti are kind are kind of stand in the same relation to each other that like the Vulcans and the Romulans do that they split apart a long time ago, and there's been a little bit of divergent evolution since then. Well, that kind of leads into my my next statement I want to make, Bob. I'm I'm kind of confused that you have barely mentioned the Tendi subplot with your favorite cat Doctor, who probably also is a species of Kazenti that that broke away from the original Kazenti and is now its own cat, whatever. Cation. Cation. Yes. <laughs> from Kate Four, Matt. You've heard of Kate Four? Yes, Bob. And every time you say it, it's so stupid. It makes it makes me hate the character even more because it's you're Kate, so, uh, like cat. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's hilarious. I, I don't know if you do. You're not laughing. No, I get it. I get it. I I just don't know. Um. Yeah. No, it was great. I I would say that uh, we've had such a run of quality Doctor Tayana subplots that uh, this one didn't hit as hard, mainly because both because we'd have a run of quality Dr. Tayana subplots <laughs> and because uh, I was more enthralled by the Mugato, another uh, favorite uh, Star Trek species of mine. Lo- love them horned gorillas. So, yeah. that, I, you know, that's hence my divided focus. But the scene uh, where she tells uh, Shax she could uh, heal him all night, that was, uh, really, that was a really great scene. I enjoyed that scene. You know, when Tiddy, when Tiddy is chasing the cat doctor through the through the station and they're going on all the Jeffrey's tubes and all this stuff. You know, how did, how did you feel about that, Bob? The way she reacted like, like a regular house cat that's trying to, you're, you're trying to give a bath to, or trying to spray it out. I very strongly identified with it. Cat humiliation is an important part of my daily routine, Matt. Okay. Okay. I feel like you have like this cat fetish thing and it's just, you're keeping it under wraps maybe. And this lower decks is letting you express it in this weird way. I, uh, I'm not a furry, Matt, but uh, fuck you for saying that. <laughs> well, well, speaking of uh, weird sexual things going on this episode, t- tell us a little bit about the Mugato, Bobby, and, and what you enjoyed there. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed uh, the Mugato sex scene. I was very surprised that the episode went there. But uh, yeah, we got, uh, you know, not explicit, but very clear uh, Mugato sex in multiple positions while uh, another Mugato watched and uh, stroked his horn. So, uh, you know, it was uh, it was something. I guess we'll have to, we're just going to have to institute Thirst Watch for Lower Decks. It's, in some ways, it's kind of uh, amazing and uh, a discredit to us that it took us till uh, episode four to introduce the Thirst Watch segment to Lower Decks. Yeah, I really appreciate the writers of this uh, show putting that in there because it's really great to be watching this in your living room and your wife walks in while two Magatos are just going at it doggy style while another one watches stroking his horn. It, it's just it's it's really easy to explain what you're watching to your significant other. <laughs> I mean, I like that you say that, Matt, as if you didn't have the episode on repeat. I don't have it on repeat. I only watched it once. You're the one that watched it twice. You already admitted you watched it twice. I watched it once. It, I did watch it twice. Uh, partly that was because I enjoyed it so much, and partially that was because I was a little distracted the first time I uh, watched it, and so I missed something. So I needed to fill the notes out better. He needed to, quote-unquote, fill the notes out better. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> monster. <laughs> All right, what else would you talk about this episode, Bob? 
you asked me, uh, did this remind me of House of Quark? I would say not really, but you want to follow up on that? Yeah, like at the end when like it ends up being a a, a real negotiation type thing oh, where they're okay. all standing yeah, there. Just play. Yeah. It reminded me of Quark standing there doing the exact same thing in that cl- in the episode with the Klingons. Okay, it just gave me like vibes of that. That was all. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I would. I was trying to think, like, does Mariner become a part of Mugato culture? No, <laughs> like, no, no. Would you, would you, would you actually visit a Mugato uh, park or whatever? Hell yeah! Even reserve? if it meant giving the Ferengi money. <laughs> All right then. What you wouldn't visit a Mugato theme park? Yeah, I mean, I might. I don't know. It sounds. I, I bet I bet you would go secretly enjoy it, but then just complain about it the entire time for comedic effect. I mean, if if the way you uh, watch Lower Decks is any indication, let me tell you what we need to do, Bob. And this is this is us. This is how we're going to print Latinum. How we're going to make money. We okay. are going to do a Tiger King spinoff with Mugato. Did you just say we're going to do a Tiger King spinoff with Mugato porn? No, not no Mugato, not porn. What? No. <laughs> I, I, I heard you say Mugato porn. That's I didn't. I and when I go back and edit whatever I whatever I said there, whatever little I made that you, you heard is, is going to sound really stupid on your part. But anyway, like, <laughs> no, Bob, I want to do a Tiger King spinoff with Mugato. I mean, I, I vaguely know uh, what Tiger King is, but I never watched it. And so I, I you know, I, I know what you mean, but I also don't know what you mean. I just think it would be really cool if you had a Ferengi that acted like uh, the dude on Tiger King. Oh, okay. When you put it like that, that okay, maybe your maybe your idea wasn't as stupid as I thought. Matt. Like I like I don't know, maybe like an animated short that just follows that same documentary style of that show. I I don't really want them to bring Short Treks back because eh, Short Treks was hit or miss. But if they do bring it back, I hope they realize your vision and they give us a Short Trek with a Ferengi as Tiger King. This would be, I'm telling you, this would be a, a hit. It would not. I, be I agree with you, sir. I agree with you. I, d- d- we should pitch it to Paramount. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's do it Seinfeld style. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, any predictions for the next episode, Bob? Any idea? No predictions at all, Matt. I bet there. Well, I bet there will be a Doctor Tayana subplot. I will bet there will be references to obscure things from the original series and from. Um, Next generation, and uh, yeah, that's about all I predict. I wish they dropped trailers. I'm kind of glad they don't. I mean, like my enjoyment of the first episode was a little impaired by the fact that like we'd seen a lot of it already in a trailer. Oh, I just want like a 10 second like sizzle reel. That's it, just so I can have an idea of what's going to happen in the next one. Oh, so, look at you learning the lingo of I've got Hollywood. This, I've got the lingo. Talking about the sizzle reel. I've got to go pitch my idea yeah. to Paramount, my pilot. My- <laughs> <laughs> Tiger King and the Ferengi, brah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. All right. So we look forward to next week. We'll get back yeah, with everybody. Yeah. We'll be back with you for uh, Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 5. This has been Babylon 5 versus Deep Space 9, the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. I'm Bob from Cascadia. I've had a Philistinish Matt from the Southland on the line. Have a good night, everybody. One day I'm going to look up what that actually means. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>